Good morning, Hidden Treasures. Is on once again. We'll talk about the truth of God in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, here we are another Saturday morning, another opportunity just to speak more about the truth of God. Sean, how are you doing on this chilly Saturday morning? Doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, I like the new setup you have in here where we have a nice little, I'll call it a nice little ambiance light. We normally have a overhead light on, but this is nice. It's kind of like a nice little ambiance since the sun isn't up yet. So yeah, good to be with you again. Looking forward to what y'all's going to bring out for us and for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because when we get to a, another uh, pivotal talk, which is just about, no, it's everything that we've talked about on the podcast, you know, what over probably about, I don't know, I think we're up around 130 episodes, something like that, um, maybe even more. But anyway, that each and every one is has its own importance and its own um, reasoning. There's, there's a reason for it and none is any better than the other but we get these things like yeah this oh my gosh this one is just so and it, it's because it, it we do that because we recognize the importance of it but we tend to do we give glory to one over another where the reality is is that all of them are good all of them are the truth of god i uh, just getting to learn and understand more and more about the truth. And in the past, we'd look at, I would look at this one like, oh, it's another, you know, this one's a good one. This one where really all of them are. And actually my encouragement to anybody who would listen um, would truly be go back to the very first, at least, go back to the first one. If you jump around, skip around, you know, cause a lot of people will, you know, they'll look up a title to see, you know, if that intrigues them and if it intrigues them, then they'll listen to it. But we, uh, I would encourage people to at least go back to the very first one, the brainwashing and mind control, because that is pivotal in the aspect of being able to understand really a lot of the other stuff that we've talked about. And again, it's not that that's more important, but in a priority perspective, there are ones that are 
have an importance over another one because you may not be at one point to be able to understand or uh, grasp if you haven't gone to another one or so uh, but we leave we leave that in the hands of the spirit mother to guide and direct and put these things in place and Sean this this comes up from our previous walk uh, with someone in the gathering and not just that I mean I, I see I've seen this over the last several years uh, that people truly don't know what what it means to break for God what is the broken perspective what does it mean to be brokenhearted and it's important uh, for people to recognize and understand so Sean as we do have anything to speak about at this moment as we're getting into this aspect of uh, faith and the faith journey and the brokenness perspective. This is one of those, I'll speak to what you were saying about, and not intentionally, we put things on levels that this, the golden rule, that's the, that's the top or brainwashing in my control. That's the top. And the truth is the top. I mean, there's nothing, the truth of God is the most important thing. And this is just another one of those concepts to go back and think about the truth that we're understanding and applying and just putting another aspect of, okay, this applies here. So that's makes sense here and there. And I actually had a scripture come to mind where Yeshua Messiah was teaching about the parable of the sower. And it made me think of if let's just say we were to buy a plot of land and we wanted to farm it. Well, you wouldn't go right to that land and just start planning. No, you would break ground. And it made me think of this, the idea of being broken, that you get a package of seeds. You can buy seeds at Lowe's or a hardware store, different things. And the seeds are just sitting in a package. They're not, you don't have a tree just growing out of a packet of seeds sitting in a, a store. No, you have to plant the seed. And just came to mind, you build a house, you break ground, you, you clear the ground, you get rid of the rocks and the debris so that you can start planting, start digging the foundation. And it made me think of being broken, that in order to get something to set, to stick, we can use the concept of the seed, and, and there's many concepts, this is just the one that came to mind. You've got to clear the, the ground, get rid of the rocks, the debris, because even Messiah mentioned that you hear the word and then it falls on the rocky soil and it falls on the soil where it gets choked out. And Messiah speaking spiritually of, of the heart, the mind, that there's just so much in there. There's some things you've got to get out of there so it'll grow properly. And it just made me think of you break ground that you break so that you can get it planted so it'll stick and it'll grow. And that's why we've talked about there's emotion involved in mind changes, but don't 
make a mind change out of emotion because if you're not doing it with a clear mind, then you'll go back to what you did before. And, and I had a, the Old Testament come to mind with this. When Yah appeared to them on Mount Sinai as a tear with the thunder and the rumbling, that they, they felt the terror. And I'm not going to say that they didn't necessarily break for God or didn't break. But it came to mind to where they didn't, it was emotional of, all right, we'll do whatever you want. Just, just please don't talk to us. And it's, all right, well, you committed to it. But they, I'm not, as I'm speaking now, they didn't break in it. Because if they did, then no, no, this is what we want to do. It was, we have to do it because if we don't, we're going to die. Well, okay. But you still committed to it. You said, this is what you're going to do. And the difference in that in you have a broken spirit, a contrite heart. You realize that you're a sinner. I want to make a change. Well, there's a difference there. Then you just get all emotional and emotion is a part of it. Not saying that you don't take the emotion and use that, but so many times we'll make decisions out of emotion instead of with good knowledge. Like, well, I should do this, so I, I feel terror. And, well, just let's take some time to evaluate this. And and with the conversation that you were talking about when we were walking, something that actually, and this goes along with it too, something that really stood out to me and setting my mind in it and wasn't even thinking about it was be careful in faith that you don't, and I'll speak first from the side of circumcision of the heart that evaluate that you don't go back to the works-based mindset because I didn't even think about that when y'all brought out that you forfeit your faith because you go to, to a works. And I was like, wow, that that, even going back to Cain and Abel, that's a concept y'all was speaking of. When your head is downcast because you don't think you're accepted, you're doing it from a works-based, well, why, didn't, why am I not good enough? Why am I? And Yah says, if you do what is right, you'll you'll be accepted. Abel sacrificed submission. Him giving his life, the blood sacrifice, is what's pleasing to God and made me think of that you can, not even necessarily consciously, you're not thinking about it, but you start finding yourself downcast and you're getting frustrated at things. And just if you don't return to that workspace because Messiah does you no good that you not even recognize that don't go back to that path, pivot from that because the kingdom of God isn't about that downcast obligation. It's about submission. It's about obedience to God. And when we come to a, a broken, Jeff, something, uh, can you clarify the, um, uh, Go, go on and continue. I'll, I'll think about how to word this question. Okay. It just, it came to mind with the brokenness that just like the song that we've heard before, when you come to where you're broken within, the light meets the dark, meaning that when you break, you have an opportunity for the truth to come in, to be planted. Like there's going back to the soil that if you don't break the ground, then you're not going to be able to get the information in the mind and then into the heart that it just kind of sits on the surface unless you make a, in your conscious mind, you realize 
something needs to be changed here and I'm going to change it. In the book of Acts, Peter talking to a group of people and said that they were cut to the heart. What must we do? Coming to a point to where they're broken, please, what I realize this condition, what must I do to be right before God? And he says, repent, be baptized in the name of Yeshua Messiah, and you'll receive the forgiveness of sins, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it said he continued on, but it just it stood out to me that 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 being cut to the heart that you have that break of oh my gosh, I didn't oh wow, I didn't realize that I'm not right before God. What must I do? Because I have a genuine concern. I have an indignation, longing, alarm. What must I do? As opposed to, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll change that. Well, is there really a indignation, longing, and alarm that the word says that, look what this godly sorrow has produced in you? What indignation, what longing, what urgency to clear yourselves, to bring it back to yourself, to, to see justice done at every point? And it's not talking about justice being done at you, but within yourself, that I want to see justice done at every point. Show me what I need to do. Now we've got something. Now we can plant a seed that's going to be be good. Because I remember Messiah saying that, do you not understand this parable? How can you understand all the parables? How are you going to be able to get it planted if you don't understand that you've got to get the word in good ground? You've got to get it into a broken heart so that it can get in and, and be planted and grow the way it was intended. It, it's intended to have that, you to have that break, that realization that something is not right here and I'm going to make it right. Uh, that turn to God. Did you figure out what you wanted to yeah. uh, ask? Okay. Can you just clarify what you mean by uh, the, the faith not being work based? And again, I know we've covered this before in other podcasts, but if we have somebody come in um, just that hasn't listened before, just kind of give a brief uh, overhaul of what you mean when you talk about that the, the, it's not faith-based. you trying to keep not me... Not works-based. Are you trying based. to keep me accountable here? No, I'm just joking. No, actually, this is because you spoke exactly right. This is just, I'm looking forward to somebody listening that they might take that as, you know, well, there's no works that you have to do. So, because it's not, it's not, Sean said it's not based in work. So just I uh, just for clarification for people who might listen to the podcast. Oh, glad to. And I was I was just joking here, but I know what you meant. There are here's what and I'll explain the with more clarity, more detail. Faith does involve works. And I'll go to the word of God, which the word says. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. And what the word is saying is it's not saying that there are no works that you do. And that, that's what gets misunderstood. Because some people say, well, you see, Messiah's work has been done. And because of what he did, you accept him as Lord and Savior. And then therefore, it's Christ in me that does it because it's not I that do it, but Christ that's in me. Is, Paul says that. But it's just one of those where don't depend on what the actual written word says, depend on the truth of it, which is by Mother the Spirit. So here's what this means. What it's saying is, is grace is Yah putting that door in place, Yah just giving opportunity. Grace, the grace of God is just opportunity that Yah put, and Messiah is referred to as the door. 
that Yah put that door in place. Yah made it to where from the foundation of the earth that Messiah was going to be crucified and be resurrected, that it even says that he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth, meaning that the plan of God, Abba and Ema, was for their son to come and to do this work. So the opportunity is put in place for you to have salvation. What happens is, is that it's faith itself involves good works, but the foundation, the basis of what we do is not, is not by works, meaning that you don't do works to earn anything. What you do is because you have faith in God, you believe in God that you will do the works that Yah has set out because ultimately it's your, your desire to do them. So faith involves works because even the word says that there have been works set aside in Messiah for us to do good works. It, it would be like this, that the, the foundation is not on your work. The foundation is on faith in God. And just like if you were to go within a company and work for a company, that with the company you work for, there are works that your company has set aside for you to do, but you do them because it's a part of your job. It's a part of your agreement. It doesn't, you don't do the works to earn favor from the company. You do the works because that's the work that's you've agreed to and that you want to do. So what happens is, is that in the faith journey, you do works because that shows your faith, but you don't actually, you're not working to earn anything. That's why it's by grace, because if it was by grace, then it's not by works. Because you could boast and you could say, well, I did this, God. You see how good I did? And God says, yeah, but it's not about the good that you do. It's about your faith in me and that you walk as my son did, because he's the place where you have the justification, not in your own works of the law, because the word says that by the works of the law, no one will be justified because you're already a sinner to begin with. You've already transgressed the law. So by works would do you no good because you're already a lawbreaker. So ultimately what it is, is that in the true faith journey of God, you will do works, but it's your mindset in it. You're not doing it to earn anything. You're doing it because it's obedience to God and that's what you ultimately want to do. So your works will never bring faith, but your faith will bring works. The works are the evidence or the proof of that you have faith in God. Like the works are the, is the action that comes from your, your faith because what, and we even have a, a mention of this with Abraham that how did Abraham find this faith that was it by works? And it was like, no, he, he had nothing to boast before God with because it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness because he did what Yah asked him to do and he was doing right in that. And that's, he was credited with righteousness. It wasn't that Abraham himself was good because if that was the case, then we don't need Messiah. If we could be good by works of the law, then Messiah is of no benefit to us because that's why that because we wouldn't be accepted before God unless by faith in the son, that was the plan. So we can't boast and say, well, because I did these things, I'm accepted. No, it's because I have faith in God that I'm accepted, not because of any works that, that I'm done. I'm not the foundation of all this. It's Yah's foundation. So it's, it's good because people could say, well, I was told that there's nothing I have to do. Well, there are things that you have to do, but the transformation comes from, yes, you have to do them, but you want to do them. Um, change from obligation to submissive. Thank you for that clarification. 
And there are some important things for people to understand when we talk about being broken and breaking. Um, because they, like we talked about on uh, Thursday evening, the there has to be a break for something to change. And so you have, in essence, you have two types of breaks that have to happen for faith and that have to happen for you to improve in faith and to increase in faith. And one is that you you break, you, you're, you're, you're broken or you're broken down. And then the second break is like you had said uh, earlier, it's a turn that, and we talked about this uh, Thursday, that it's the second break is you're breaking ranks. That's the, uh, the, that term comes from when people are marching in a straight line together and somebody turns and goes in a different direction. That's what's called breaking rank. And so you're marching in that direction and you have that broken, that break, then you you have the break of recognition that there's a problem, but then you have to have that break. You have to break ranks with it. If you don't break ranks with it, then you just continue in worldly sorrow from that break and you can't have godly sorrow because godly sorrow brings repentance which is breaking ranks whatever the issue is whatever it is <clears throat> you have to break ranks with that issue and so you're walking in one direction and you have that break and then you say no I'm not doing this anymore you do an about face and you go the other direction well the farther you walk in the other direction the farther you get away from whatever that was. Uh, and at first you're only one step away from it. Well, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like I'm moving that much. It just doesn't seem, you know, wait till you get a thousand steps away and look back, wait till you get 15 miles away and then look back. It starts to get to a point where you're, you're, it's you very vague, very uh, hard to see. Uh, which is good because that's what we want in repentance. When you repent of sin, that that's the objective goal is that, no, I, I know that this is wrong and I am never going to do it again. Now, in the process of you stepping away from it, it's still going to come up again. And you're going to have sin until you have circumcision of the heart. It's what is your attitude in walking away from it? that is what matters and you prove to God that you've broken in it. That's when God says, okay, now we're going to give you the circumcision of the heart, which is going to release you from sin, which is then going to give you the opportunity to be propelled forward. But you're only going to be propelled forward if you want to. And if you're striving to go forward, if you're walking at a one inch step at a time, then you're not going to get as far as if you're walking a three-foot pace because 
typically the stride of most people, if you average it, would be about a three foot, 36 inch uh, pace. And you're not walking at a, a good pace. You're walking at a, well, I got circumcision of the heart, so I'm okay with that. And so I'm just going to take these little baby steps and I don't want to do, I don't want to do too much. And, and it's like, well, you can do that, but there's so much more that you can have. If you break again, no, I'm done taking these little steps. I want to take big steps. I'm going to take big steps. And so you have a difference between, there is a difference between a break of recognition there's something wrong and then a break that brings repentance rather than regret because that that's what the difference is, is one is repent, one is regret. When, when you truly break on something and then you make that repentance break, then it's set in your mind in absolution that this is what I'm going to do. And you have brought it up that the aspect with the Israelites when they were at the mountain of God and they, they were fearful of the voice of God, what they, what they had was what we call breakdown like in a car, a breakdown. And then what they did after that, they did not have the break of repentance, but they had the break of repentance in pretense. We will do all of these things. Just don't let us hear the voice of God anymore speak through the servant Moses. So they broke down, but they did what people do when they break down. You're driving your car, okay? And your car just suddenly breaks down. What's the first thing you do? I mean, as a, as a human, what's the first thing you do? And again, this is, I'll put this to a general. I'm not going to say absolutely because uh, there's always somebody who's like, well, I wouldn't do that. And, but in a general sense, your car breaks down, what do you do? I would say like you look to call somebody to tow you, fix it, is, do something. Is, is that what you do at the moment your car breaks down? Oh, or you get frustrated because, why are we broken down? What happened? I don't understand. Right. And I, oh, my gosh, how, how are we going to do this? And I don't know. And but, So that's what the... Israelites did, they had a recognition that we can't stand before this mighty God, but they went into the wall. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh my, we're just going to, okay, just let Moses talk to us and, and we'll do whatever, whatever we're told to do, but just let, well, they obligated themselves to the law of God by making that statement without the true mindset of repentance towards God. So that was what the Bible refers to in the Old Testament as repenting in pretense, that you're repenting in pretense, not because you chose that that's what you wanted to do because that's my, I'm breaking ranks with with this. It was because, well, oh my gosh, this is what happened. And that's what, that's what regret is. Regret is you have a... Uh, a breakdown 
in something in your life and you go into the, oh my gosh, I don't, why is this happening? I don't understand. And this, this is just so hard. And you go into all these things that are not going to fix the problem instead of think of how much better one, your peace of mind is and two, your situation. If instead of jumping to the wallowing in it, oh, the car broke down, needs to be fixed. All right, let me go find a mechanic. And so you get the car to the mechanic quicker and without a lot of aggravation and agitation and frustration because you're getting rid of the stuff that causes all that aggravation and frustration. Because, and this is why when we talk about people who go to camps that they have this this great quote unquote spiritual experience and they break down. The problem is, is that in their breakdown, they're wallowing in the regret and they're not truly repenting. That they make a, a an apology of sorry, I'm sorry that I did these things. Okay, so you broke, but you didn't break in repentance because people are taught that, well, you just I recognize I'm a, I'm a sinner and you came for my sins. And so I, I, okay, that's what, that's what I'm doing. But that's not, you don't get the break of true repentance because true repentance is after you have that break, you come to a place of calm where you can, you know what? The car broke down. No sense in me whining about it and and crying about it. What I need to do is go into action to fix it. And so let me find a dealer that's going to help me fix this. Let me find a church that's going to help me fix my faith. Let me find a gathering of God. And you're not going to find it in uh, any other way than the true way of Messiah. And so it's important because people will have a breakdown and they will know that they're broken down, but they're not taught how to, with calmness, okay, things break, things can be fixed. Let me go into the mode of what do I do now in order to help the process of fixing instead of we get uh, downcast because the car broke down instead of, you know, flat tire. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I, I, I don't know. I don't know any place around here. And I, instead of get a phone book, oh, that was back in the day. Now, now you just speak to your phone and it tells you everything and it'll tell you where to go and all that stuff. But the objective is, is that you can eliminate a lot of uh, frustration by breaking and then breaking in repentance. Oh, okay. The car broke down. I, I, I don't want the car to be broken anymore. So I'm going to go and find a place that's going to fix it. But this is why we've talked about before that 
when you have an emotional breakdown, you don't make a decision in the breakdown because that is just going to put you in the area of regret. You get past the situation to where you can think calmly and then you make an informed decision because think about it. Your car breaks down, you go into panic mode and none of that does anything to fix your car. And again, I I understand that, you know, I've had cars break down and I've done that very same thing. And so this speaks to me just as much. If something happens to me, something may happen on the job that something breaks or so, you know, there's various different things, but definitely from a faith perspective that we want to handle it in a calm perspective and think about it. When do you actually move towards getting they, they say the cars broke down. When do you actually move towards the fixed part of it? When you calm down. When you get out of that frantic state of mind, you calm down and then you start to think clearly. And this is why we say you don't make a decision in the midst of an emotional breakdown. Because, yes, you had a breakdown. Many people in the world and Christianity have had an emotional, mental, spiritual breakdown. The problem is, is that they're not being taught how to fix it. Because, oh, you had this breakdown, except Jesus is Lord and Savior. That's it. And why? So we can boast about the numbers of people that, oh, we had 200 200 kids accept Christ today. We had this many accept Christ today instead of teach people to break. And and when they break, teach them to not make a decision in a a moment of of, uh, sadness or frustration or happiness. Or, I mean, happiness is just as much an issue that you can make a wrong decision in as well. And the object object that we talk about is that if you have an emotional breakdown, then get past the emotional breakdown and then do your evaluation because you have the car. It breaks down. or And this just happened. I had seen on the Internet that there was a cruise that, I uh, was cruising and they came back and, you know, we just had a uh, nor'easter come up the uh, the coast on the East Coast and they couldn't even come back in. They did, didn't dock the day they were supposed to because of the storm. And then when they got back to the dock, the parking lot had flooded. And you're talking a whole lot of cars for people on that cruise. And the thing was that what they were saying was people, people were out in the parking lot, just weeping and crying and and screaming because of the, uh, the flood and, and what had happened. And I get it. I I understand that that's, that's, I, that's not a pleasant thing to happen, but for all of those people, that 
whining and crying and complaining and being upset. It doesn't have to be frustrated. It could be sad that this happened. None of them were able to do anything with their vehicles until they started to think about, okay, what do I got to do to take care of this? Well, it's the same thing with faith. Calm down. Now, if you can try to come into any situation that of a breakdown of, okay, I'm not going to go into the, oh my gosh, and the wallow in it and the complain about what happened. I'm going to go into the, all right, what do we got to do to fix it? What, what do we got to do to get this done? Because you, you're, I mean, you come back from a cruise and your car's been under nine foot of water. Um, that that's, uh, I, I get it that, that that's unnerving, but you will not start to think clearly until you calm down and you get to that point like, okay, what do I need to do now? I call my insurance company and I really feel for the people, you know, the people who have insurance, but then you have people who have vehicles that have been paid off and they just have the liability insurance and now they're stuck with the weight of the cost of the vehicle because they don't have insurance to cover it. And I I feel for that, but it still doesn't fix the problem for you to wallow in it. And I'm speaking to myself just as much as anybody else because this inevitably something's going to break down for me somewhere along the way, whether it's a car or it's a, a situation or whatever. It's up to me to make sure I'm applying what's coming out of my mouth in order to uh, work in it from an appropriate perspective. And so we have the two areas of break. We have the breakdown, but then you have to, you, you have to break ranks. Okay. No, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and whine about this anymore. I'm going to figure out, okay, what do I got to do to fix this? And it's the same thing with faith that you don't make a decision. Don't make any decision. And it really isn't, even when you repent, you're not turning to Messiah anyway. You're turning to Abba, the father in your repentance, that when you set your mind to be completely obedient, then you're turning your mind to Messiah. And then when you set your mind to trust completely, then you're turning your mind to the trust. And the, the so you have to go in the order that it comes. And so you have a breakdown. And in each of those decisions, there's going to be something that you have to recognize is broken for you to repent. And then you have to recognize that, well, I've turned to God, but I haven't been obeying God. And I have to have that, that uh, sorrow break. And then I have to have the break of, no, I am going to obey the things of God. And then the same thing with the trust. You just go through the same process on each one. You have to have, meet that breakdown. And that breakdown is a recognition. So you can break down the breakdown. So you take the situation that happened and then you break it down okay this is what happened 
What do I have to do? How do I have to do it? Okay, got to do this, got to do this. All right, well, we got to get a hotel because we can't get out of here right now, and it's close to Christmas. You know that there's not that many rental cars for all those people to be able to get rental cars, and so then you got to call family members, and you got to do all these different things to get where it is that you're going, but you're not going to get there through wallowing in it. You, you can't think logistically if you're in that frustrated or that uh, offset state of mind. And so it's really important. People we need to recognize one. Yes, you need to break. You need to recognize that you are not right before God, but you have to stop listening to what people in the world are saying and listen to what God says as it pertains to what you do with that break. It is not an, you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. No, it's a, you repent to Abba, you repent to God that, no, God, I recognize that I have not been living the life that you have uh, laid out for me to live, and I know that that's wrong. I'm going to change. And in your mind, you break ranks with sin, so that every time you sin, you don't agree with it, and you will profess that I'm not doing that again, and you will carry that out in the avenue of showing God that you really mean it, and when they're convinced that you mean it, that's when they'll give you circumcision of the heart to then take the sinful nature out of your heart and put it on your body of flesh so that no longer do you have sin but you also have, you do have the thorn in the flesh that God spoke to Paul about. And with that thorn in the flesh, it's, it's just there to remind you that it's by grace you're saved. It's not your works that are getting you this. It's that the grace is what saves you, but your works are necessary in the process. You have to do the things that you have to do, but you do them because you want to do them. And this goes back to, you know, we've talked about submission on the podcast and, and your decisions to do what is right to do, but it is not intended for any aspect like that. And I wouldn't just put it to Christianity. I would put it to any other religion out there that there are some truths in every religion, but people in those that are in those religions need to be looking for what is not true in them and getting rid of them. And you will do that by looking into other religions. Your people will look at, well, yeah, well, I agree with what, what they said, but what they're doing here and that, but they'll do that with other people's religion, but they won't, don't, won't do it with their own. They won't dig in and see where, They've been mistaught because they've been trusting man instead of trusting God, because the gospel that people are preaching today in this world is not the gospel from the Bible. It's not the reality of truth from the Bible. And the only way that people are going to find it in this day and age, if they're truly broken and they handle that brokenness by breaking ranks with sin, that is the only way that they'll be able to do it.
I'm going to make a statement about something and then I'll explain it in detail because I had this happen to me when I was working yesterday. Stop saying you're sorry. Stop, and if you've done this, stop telling God you're sorry and start showing Yah you're sorry. And, and I'll explain. I'm not making a blanket statement that you never tell God you're sorry and that never comes out of your mouth, so I'll just explain that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that your repentance towards God is you showing them that you have sorrow, that you're sorry for what you've done. And with you changing your conduct, your actions, you can tell God, for example, you realize something, you're broken in something. God, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that I was doing that, that that is wrong. I'm not doing that again. I'm going to do what's right in this. And you you change it. Well, God's okay. Yah's okay with that. Because they see that you, you're in the process of changing it. What happens is it's the pretend because I got this yesterday. I got a text from a teammate where I'm working because I work in insurance. Sorry about sending you all the rental claims that I sent you. And then it goes into have a happy holiday and all this stuff. And I hadn't talked to this teammate probably in on the phone, probably months, but haven't texted in a long time. And like, why are you telling me that you're sorry for sending me claims? That is my job that you don't handle that kind of claim. You must get it to another person like me. There's nothing to be sorry about. You did no wrong. But what it made me think of is like, you're not sorry. Because if you were really sorry, you know what? Uh, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not going to send Sean these claims. But you're not sorry. What you're doing is you're thinking that I'm going to say something. I'm going to get mad. So you're looking to self-preserve yourself just to say, well, I'll just say I'm sorry. And then you won't punish me or you won't say, hey, you shouldn't have sent this to me because I, I want to avoid punishment. And that's the same thing as the Israelites. Well, we want to avoid punishment. We'll do whatever you say. Just please don't punish me. And y'all was looking at them as I'm presenting you my law because it's fair. It's right and just. And I'm presenting this to you so that you can take it in, evaluate it, have it break you to realize that you're a sinner so that you'll stop sinning. Because even Moses said that like that. Do you realize that Yah has come to you so that you will not sin. So what God, Yah wasn't just sitting there, just, I'm just going to dump this on you. I'm just going to get you to make this snap decision. It was, no, I'm giving you that my law is a terror. If you are a sinner, then my law is a terror. And I'm going to come to you to show you that I'm holy, I'm fair and just, and you're a sinner. And this is the law of God that doesn't change. And the point of it was to break them so that they would have godly sorrow and that they would repent as Yah intended. That's the point is to show you this is the standard of holiness. This is what is right to do. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize I haven't been doing that. Yah, help me. I want to do what is right. What must I do? Okay, well, here's my law. Walk in my commandments, obey my commands. And as you were speaking, it made me think of it with the breaking. I'm sure you've had this. You take breaks at work. Okay. Don't you, you're doing your regular work and you pivot away from your work to a break. And that's the thing is 
it's, and I actually, this came to mind before that, just like you said, you break, then you break, <laughs> you, you stop, you're broken down. Okay. Now I'm going to turn from this to go a different direction or find a solution to it. And it's exactly what, what the word of God says. Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. It goes right in order that you in a comp, you know what? I didn't recognize this. This isn't right to do. I'm going to do what is right. Godly sorrow. So now I pivot away from what was not right to do. And I turn to do what is right. And I start changing my actions to do what is right. I start walking in repentance, as John the Baptist said, produce fruit. But repentance has to be there in order for fruit to be produced, not pretend repentance, but true repentance. And I had this picture coming to mind. Do not people treat Yah as a tow truck? Well, just get, Yah, I'll take care of it. And they'll tow me out and they'll tow me to the, the dealership and they'll take care of the repair and God does everything. Well, you turn to God that Yah will come as a tow truck. Well, I'll, I'll help you out of the situation. We'll get you to the repair shop, but I'm going to bring you to my son where he'll show you how to really fix the issue so that you can have preventative maintenance. So where you don't keep breaking down over and over again. And the things that if you've broken and you're fixing it, then get it to where you maintain your faith to where you're not just broken down on the side of the road, every little thing that, Oh my gosh, I'm just nothing I can do. And Oh, woe is me. And I was just saying about that, that the woe is me is that regret. Well, you have any regrets in life? Things that weren't because really regret is just something that you've not corrected the wrong. If you regret something, because somebody says, do you have any regrets? Well, I wish I should have. Okay, so that tells you that you didn't repent. You didn't make a change. You just left it like it was. And worldly sorrow does bring regret. Oh my gosh, why didn't I find this faith? Why didn't I turn to God? I had all these opportunities and you have regret. Repentance is, oh, I'm going to do something about this. And this is what's right to do. It, it, it causes a change in behavior. In action, that's why with the sorry, that Yah doesn't, you tell Yah you're sorry, that doesn't mean anything. You, you repent and you change your conduct and you show me that you're sorry by you changing your life. Okay, well, I'll accept that. But, and we had talked about this, that we weren't aware of any scriptures where the words out of somebody's mouth says, God, I'm sorry. And think about it and bring out this point. Repentance, and we talked about this, repentance is not feeling sorry. Repentance is a change of direction. It's a turn. Like people will put that, well, I repented because I felt sorry for my sins. No, if you feel sorry for your sins, there you have a brokenness, but a godly sorrow brings a change, which means a turn, a turn to God. The repentance is you turn towards God and start walking towards God, that that's what brings forgiveness of sin. So it's not that the repent doesn't have to do with sin. It's repent as a change of direction. Now you turn to God, you start doing what is right. You'll have forgiveness of sins, but get to the point where you don't sin being in Messiah. But people will say, well, I repented to God because I just felt sorry. Yeah. But repentance towards God is you recognize that you've done wrong and you do have godly sorrow, but the repentance is just the turn. 
that you turn to God, okay, well, now walk in repentance, which is the process of walking in that change of direction, because you can repent away from God. You can repent to God, and then you can repent from God back to the enemy. So you can walk in repentance towards the enemy of God. You can walk in repentance towards God. It's it's just a change of direction. But a lot of times these terms will be interchanged because there's a lack of understanding that people just assume that, oh, God, I'm a sinner, I repent. But you don't change direction to God, then there is no repent. It's just a pretend that, okay, well, the word says I've got to repent, so that's what I'm going to do. But do you understand what that means? It just means a turn. Like if, if I pivot, like if I stand up and I pivot, I'm turning a different direction. Like we, we use the word pivotal, which just like in basketball, you, you're going to travel if you don't, you have the one foot that's planted and you pivot off of that, you go in a different direction. So y'all wants us to change direction, change from sin to righteousness, turn away from sin, turn to me, I'm righteousness, turn to me and walk in my ways. And like you said, then when you turn to the Father, Abba, you're tested in that mindset of, no, I'm getting away from sin. I want to do what's right. That's what I'm going to do. And you're tested in it. Then I'll bring you to my son where he can show you, and actually my spirit as well, that they can show you what the way of obedience is. And then you can actually start walking in truth, doing it the appropriate way, which is by submission. So this is just another another more detailed way to just go through the gospel message again, but yeah, be careful not to repent in pretense, thinking that you've turned to God. Really recognize, am I turning to God or not? And if I'm not, then just evaluate if you've done that or not. Right, and this goes back to the aspect of desire that we talked about as well, because in order to apply this, you have to desire the things of God. You have to desire uh, what's right. You have to, like Messiah said, in what they call the Sermon on the Mount, is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. That those who have a desire to be righteous before God, they will be filled. Why? Because in that willingness, in the the uh, the wanting to be right, you're willing to have, whether it's God or somebody else, point things out to you so you can evaluate them. And this rolls into the next thing that I'm going to talk about, which is how do you do this? Because the the problem, and you know from the conversation on Thursday with the, the one we were talking with, that They did not want to hear the things that was putting them in a position of feeling like they were wrong. But that's no different than you or me or anybody else that's that's in gathering that has the uh, circumcision of the heart uh, because it is a process of you going through, but if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, that means you're willing to have anybody tell you something in order that you can take it to evaluation and then you make your determination with God. Is this right? Is this not? Because 
uh, as the one we were speaking to on Thursday night, didn't want to, I uh, didn't want the have the want for us to uh, bring the information that's necessary. One, just because you don't want it doesn't mean that you're not going to get it because if you start talking about things, and, and, and I've seen that very same thing in you and in Anna Ruth and in Cindy and even in myself as I think about that situation, I can look at it and the you you see a difference when somebody truly hungers and thirsts for righteousness, you'll see that difference in them. And you hungering and thirst for righteousness is a, a factor that you really need to have in place to continue in this faith, to continue in circumcision of the heart, that you are truly okay with somebody else, no matter who they are, bringing something to your attention. And it could be your, your young child that's bringing something to your attention. And <clears throat> it's different we want to be careful that we're not just charging at people and uh, trying to tell them these things to, to intentionally try to break them. But we also are not going to back away from somebody who's talking about, like Anna Ruth in the past, uh, as she was figuring out this faith with circumcision of the heart, uh, having conversations with her on my front porch and she didn't come wanting to be told that the problem is you. It's not the other person. She wanted the other person to be the one that was the attention. And that's not the case. That if you come, if you bring your stuff and you're speaking about things that you're not doing that's appropriate, it's going to be addressed. If you don't want to be addressed, keep your mouth shut. But if you don't want to be addressed and there's an issue there that, well, what are you hiding from? You know, well, I don't want people to tell me I'm wrong. Well, how else are you going to find out whether you're wrong? Well, I just want God to tell me I'm wrong. Well, God uses people to tell you you're wrong, uh, even if they're not in faith. How many times does somebody who's not in faith make a comment to you? And if you don't, if you don't have the hungering, thirsting for righteousness, well, you don't, you don't have faith. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't. But if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, no, you know what? Let me evaluate that. I'm not going to automatic. Why should I get upset? Because somebody says I'm doing something wrong. I need to take it to an evaluation of, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. Help me to see if I'm not seeing it. Let me dig in the word. Let me figure it out. And you know what? I can see that I'm not doing this. And so I'm not worried about it because I'm not doing it. Or I'm on the other end where I'm like, no, I, I, I recognize that I've done that, so I'm going to make a change. Either way, it doesn't matter. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, it matters not what anybody else says or brings up to you. It just gives you a point of reference to make a determination in your time with God and in the Bible 
that do I recognize that this is wrong or do I recognize that it's not wrong? And then if it's if I'm hungry and thirsting for righteousness, my response is, oh, okay, I didn't do anything wrong. No problem. It's not a well, go back to the person and I'm going to tell you that that I wasn't wrong and here's why and here's how. No. Can you just be good enough or well enough with the fact that you've settled the issue in your mind and you don't need to settle the issue with man? And I've seen it. I've seen it in Anna Ruth. I've seen it in you and I've seen it in Cindy. See, but you know what else I've seen? I've seen the transformation to the hungering and thirsting for righteousness because in the past, bringing something to your attention, you would go to the downcast head and they, uh, I messed up again and I don't understand. And I, I just, this is just so hard. And I, it, whatever the thoughts are that's going through your mind. But when something comes now, that's an aspect of look into this. Your your demeanor, Cindy's, Anna Ruth's, uh, and I'm not going to say we're all perfect at it, but getting much, much better, your demeanor is, wow, let me evaluate that. Let me make sure because uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing what is right. Wow, that, that's a desire with the hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's the thing. We are not going to go out and attack people just because they're not doing something that's right. But if you bring it to us, see, uh, you and I would be walking and you'd talk about something and I would just bring in what I could see for correction's sake and I would see your head go down. Now, it's I didn't start the conversation of, hey, Sean, you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong. No, you started talking and the same thing happened with Anna Ruth. And, but... I see now that if something is brought to somebody's attention, there's, all right, well, I'm going to evaluate that because I truly want to operate in a right way according to God. I don't have to answer to man. You've done, you've done it to me. In, is, that, is that really true? Or think about what you just said. Uh, why is that a problem to us? Well, it is because I'm trying to please you. I'm trying to let you know that I'm right instead of, you know what? I don't answer to Sean, and I'm not saying that in a mean way. What I'm saying is is you have full opportunity to uh, keep me accountable, no question. You hear me say something or you see me do something, you, you just like anybody else, and I, and it doesn't matter if they're they're worldly or not. Because of what I've chosen in faith, I'm to be held accountable. And again, uh, Thursday evening when we were walking, I uh, and you know you know was there. I was very I was quiet and I wasn't thinking. I was just thinking over what was being said and how it was being said and. Uh, the different aspects of it. And I was talking to mother. I was like, mother, I'm, I'm not going to bring this out. I'm not going to say anything to this person unless they ask me. If they ask me, then I'm going to tell them 
what the truth is. But I'm not just going to hunt them down and do it because I have to be in control of my own emotions because of thinking about what somebody's doing. Am I taking it personal or am I, uh, you know, what am I doing with it? Am I really evaluating the truth? And one of the scriptures that kept rolling in my mind was the uh, quick to listen, slow to speak. And so even after I was asked the question, what was on my mind by that person, I was quiet for a while because I was still rolling what to say how to say it, what's the, uh, what are the important things, what's the, the best way to do this. And so I was just rolling it. <clears throat> and here's, the, here's something, and remember I told you, here's something important to remember. Evaluate before you ask somebody what they think. Or what's going on in their mind. You you should really be in a place that you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness before you ask somebody that question. Because you ask that question, you might just get what you asked for. But what you get might not be what you wanted. Maybe you wanted a, a pat on the back or a you know, oh, it's going to be okay. Or, And I'm telling you, in this faith journey, if you bring stuff up and you ask me, I'm going to tell you the truth. This faith is not uh, easy. It, it's, it gets easy as you uh, settle your mind into the realities that come with this faith, but it is not easy. It's not a simple, oh, I just except Jesus is Lord and Savior and done and everything's good. And no, it takes, it takes work. Those works don't save you. You're saved by grace because you have faith. You will do the works because that's what you want to do. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You have a desire for righteousness. And when you have a true desire for righteousness, you will be okay with somebody giving you correction. And again, these are things, I get it. You know, we grew up in this world and uh, the, the teachings that have gone on in this world and people don't call out other people for what they're doing from a right perspective. Now, they'll call out people in order to put them in the spotlight so they can hide in the darkness. But the reality is, you don't go into churches where churches are rebuking people and telling them and giving them correction that you have to stop this behavior. If you don't stop this behavior, it's going to be a detriment to your faith and you're going to walk away from it. You don't hear that. Oh, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be good. And it's like, no, it's not. That's the stark reality is that you're not getting what you need because what you need is the truth. And again, it would be different if I just gathered all this information about this person and went to them and was just going to tell them, which I had done in the past, I'm going to tell you what your problem is and why. But I had truly consigned and I told God, I was like, 
I'm not going to say anything to this person unless they specifically ask me, not you, not for you to ask me, but for that person. And again, it's the same thing. When I had the conversations with Anna Ruth, she came here. She came to me asking the questions or in that state. And so this person that we're talking about is no different than anybody else. But you have to recognize what you have with circumcision of the heart, what comes with it, and what your responsibilities are in that. And the Sermon on the Mount is a good avenue for walking through the gospel message as you go through each one of the things that Messiah spoke, but it's also a good thing to go through and evaluate when you have circumcision of the heart. Am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Maybe I'm having the problems and the mental issues that I'm having now because I'm not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Because if I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness, I will be filled. I will be able to live righteous before God. And the righteous before God is not an aspect of under the law, I have to do things perfectly. Righteous before God is I'm walking in obedience to God to the absolute best of my ability, recognizing that I have a thorn in my flesh, just like Paul, and that is the sinful nature that was taken out of the heart and put in the flesh. And so I'm going to have those battles where I have to beat my body into submission, just like Paul said. Why beat the body into submission? Because the the sinful nature is attached to the body, taken out of the heart. We don't sin, but we battle with the body. We beat it into submission for this purpose. Why? Because I hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to do what is right before God, and I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do it. So, for people who are listening, uh, one, if you come to me, I'm going to give you the truth. I'm not going to hunt you down. But if you come to me and you ask me the question, I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm not going to do it with an ideal of sparing your feelings, sparing your emotions. You're the one that is called to be in control of those. Now, I won't do it with ill intention or intention of harm, but I guarantee you if you bring something to me, I'm going to tell you the truth about it. I'm not going to hunt you down, which is which we shouldn't be doing in the world. But if somebody asks you a question, you should answer it honestly. And sometimes the honest answer is, I don't know the answer or I don't understand or I don't know what's what's happening. But when it comes to being a reality of truth and you ask me the question, then you get upset with me because I told you the truth. And it's not even my truth. It's God's truth. And this is why it doesn't bother me because you fighting against what I'm telling you, but what I'm telling you is the truth of God, and you need to figure it out. You, you need to figure out and work through and get to the point that you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that you are poor in spirit. The poor in spirit 
is the broken perspective that you have the you're broken down and so I, i'm going to turn it over to you because i can see you have something uh, on your mind so well i was just chuckling not because it's funny but i was just like literally i was like where's the sermon on the mount and then the the look at the scripture that's just sitting right on top that you just you just talked about the um i'll just explain what came to mind was all right phil if i'm fighting against you am i submitting to you as you're drinking the water <laughs> no because i just thought about this like you when you submit that means i'm not fighting against you anymore and it made me think of what the person we're talking about he was fighting against so be careful that submission is about no i agree with this i'm not fighting against this and again we there there's process and everything it's here i'll share what came to mind is with the cert what's referred to as the sermon on the mount that messiah is teaching about submission and the aspect of the spirit of the law that i was saying what you were thinking the poor the poor in spirit you know what that's not appropriate to do i'm not doing that i'm going to do what's right because what does it say theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn oh my gosh i did not realize i was against god i'm i'm mourning because of what i've done against god okay blessed are the meek well meek isn't weak meek is just a mindset of submission calm i'm going to do what's right um, there'll be times where i'll be a doormat for you but for others i'm not going to be it's a it's a strong steadfastness in mind of submission to god and it's not weak um it's meek and it says you'll inherit the earth those who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed are the merciful and the merciful is that's the desire of god i desire mercy well i desire mercy because that's what's right to do that I'm not going to look to, well, you're going to hell. No, no, that's not my place. Hey, I was on that journey to hell and y'all rescued me. So I'm going to have mercy on you because it's a desire now of not just of God, but it's my desire to be merciful because I realize God has shown mercy to me. And therefore I'm going to show you mercy. And then what does God do? Okay. Well, I'm going to show you mercy, the pure in heart for they shall see God. Well, purity in heart is something that you get to the point of circumcision of the heart you have sin removed from your your heart well that's where because yah is within your heart that you are pure and heart because god's in your heart peacemakers well people that bring the gospel message are the ones that are striving to bring peace to you so that you can put to death chaos in your mind this message that we have is the gospel of peace but if somebody doesn't apply it, then you're not going to partake in the peace of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets they were before you. And I had not thought about this from the aspect of messiah is teaching this is this is what it is to walk by the spirit walk in the spirit of the law walking in submission and all of this is it starts it out with blessed so we know that from the word that there's blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience so it makes sense that abba would bring you to messiah when you've set your mind that you're going to be obedient to god no matter what that's what you want that i'm showing you 
You want to walk in agreement with God, obedience to do what is right. When you do what is right, you, you are blessed because if you carry these attributes, this just is giving a beautiful picture of submission to God that you can only walk in this with the help of God. But this is, I mean, think about that. All of this here, this is giving you the gospel message all the way through that you've got to repent to turn to God in order to be able to be poor in spirit, walking in that poorness of spirit, meaning that, hey, I'm okay to be wrong in this because because think about it, if you think you're rich in spirit, that's who Messiah was talking about, that if you, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. If you think that you're, you're rich in spirit, then I haven't come for you. Uh, I'm coming for those who are poor in spirit that recognize that they're poor in spirit, that they're not right before God, that that's what Yah is looking for. So in Messiah's teaching, he's giving us a beautiful picture of living, doing what is right. And that's the thing, like when you come to submission, it's you own it and you transfer from, yes, this is the way of God to, yes, this is the way of God. And I agree with it. And it's right to do. This is what I'm going to do because it's right to do. I'm owning this now as I'm doing this now because I want to. And that's what I was looking for is, wow, you're willing to do it with no strings attached. Like you're not trying to get something from me. You're not trying to get salvation from me. You're doing it because it's what's right. Well, that's what I desire because that's our, that's the kingdom of God. That's everlasting life is you live life doing what is right, fair, and just because you want to do it. That's what love is, is, and we've said this, is doing what's best for everybody. Well, doing what is right is the absolute best thing for everybody. And Yah just wants, they desire for people to have a special group of people, which is the Israel of God, to want to desire to walk in their ways. That's what they, that's their desire is to have those that want to do what is right and have relationship with them because they really want it not to gain salvation, not to escape hell, which that is a part of it that you go on that journey, but it's to transform to the spirit of Yeshua, which is, yeah, it doesn't matter. Here I am. I've come to do your will. I've come to do what is right, fair and just. Whatever you want me to do, I do whatever you want me to do. And that that's the heart. That's that's truly that place of worshiping Yah in spirit and in truth, that you're from within the heart, the core of who you are, your desire is God. And that that's what Yah is looking for. And in circumcision of the heart, uh, once you get circumcision of the heart, you, you don't know all the information. Um, you've just started. You've really just started the journey. <laughs> I mean, it's like each step is a new beginning and that we never hit an end. We always hit a new beginning. And that's, that's why it's important that, uh, with circumcision of the heart, that we should be digging through the word to see, like, that's what the new Testament tells you is in Messiah, this is what you are in Messiah. This is what you'll do when you, uh, walk like he did. And when you hear his words and you, um, you act on those, you're like the wise builder. Well, the words that we just spoke about, the Sermon on the Mount, that why would you think you would enter faith without having to apply those things to your life or that those things would be the application of your faith where you 
hunger and thirst for righteousness. And here's the key. See, there, there are keys in each thing to let you know whether you're actually doing it or not. And then that gives you the opportunity to break and then to break ranks with it because uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. If you are not okay with somebody else telling you that you did something wrong, whether it's somebody in the world, it could be at your job, it could be at home, it could be in the gathering, it could be anywhere in anybody. If you're not okay with anybody anywhere bringing something to your attention, you're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And again, the objective is that when you see it, you you break wow, I didn't recognize I'm not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That's a part of this faith that I have. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hunger and thirst, and I don't care if anybody tells me that I'm doing something wrong, not meaning I don't care where I'm not going to acknowledge it. I don't care, meaning that I'm going to take what you say, and then I'm going to weigh it against the truth of God. I'm going to talk to God about it. And then I'm going to figure out, was I right in it? Was I wrong in it? And if I was right in it, I need to do nothing with it. I don't even have to go back to the other person and tell them, um, you know, if they ask me, I, I can give them explanation. Uh, but I don't have to do that. And if I'm wrong, then it gives me the opportunity to make a correction I'm not going to do that again. And so it's that process of going through that. If you mourn, are you mourning? Is your your frustration and your, your sadness because of what you've done wrong according to God? Or is it the regret because you got caught in what you were doing that was wrong? And I just want to be right. And I just, well, if you really want to be right, then... You will mourn. You will be poor in spirit. You will do the things. And this is why it's really important that anybody who has circumcision of the heart go to the Bible and read the promises of God and know that if you're not fulfilling them, one of two things, either you don't have it or you're not accepting it and you need to figure out how to uh, employ all those things. And again, you just because you have circumcision of the heart does not put you at an end. This is not like, well, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and boom, there you are. You, there's nothing else you have to do. You're going to be in the kingdom. No. When we get that circumcision of the heart, that this is like, okay, I thought I climbed mountains before. Well, these mountains that I'm climbing now in circumcision of the heart are steeper. And they're more treacherous, so I have to be uh, thoughtful and diligent about the path that I travel. And I'm constant. And then when I travel a path that made it much more difficult for me, then okay, wait a minute. Is there a path that leads me around the corner? It's like, well, there's a, a ten foot gap in between two cliffs and you come up one side and you want to get to the other side. And so you sit there and you calculate and well, I'm strong and I'm good. And uh, I just, okay, I'm just going to run and I'm going to jump and I'll make it instead of, you know what? I could probably jump that, but 
you know what? Let me let me do some investigation. Let me let me walk around. Let me I uh, let me kind of scope the area. And you walk around the corner, and you find a rope bridge that connects the two things. But if you don't find that rope bridge, you're taking a chance in the jump. Where if the jump is all you have to do, because God will put you in that position at some times, look, you got to trust us in this. So there's no rope bridge. You just run and jump. We'll catch you. If you fall short and we told you to run and jump, we'll catch you. Just trust that. But if you don't trust that, then you're going to miss. You're going to fall. You're going to hit the ground. And okay, well, that hurt. Yeah, because all of the aspects of faith in God are important, the repentance, the obedience, and the trust, and having that in an immersion means that you never exit it, which means that every stage in your faith journey is another uphill challenge. And each time you go, the mountain of God gets a little bit steeper and a little bit steeper. And you just keep climbing that mountain until we uh, until we perish from this life because we won't actually hit the summit until we enter into the kingdom. But as we go up that mountain, you know, people who climb Everest, is it more difficult at the bottom of the mountain or more difficult at the top? Yeah, it's more difficult at the top because you, you have – other factors that factor into it. It's not just the uh, the terrain, but now we're talking about pressure difference, and we're talking about oxygen difference, and we're talking about temperature difference. And there's these things you have to take into consideration. So the higher you go, the more uh, understanding you have to have. And Yah will give you everything you need but you have to want it. And so if somebody's hungering and thirsting for righteousness, they're okay with correction. And correction is part of the faith journey, whether you are, if you're in circumcision of the heart, correction is there. That's what we call discipline. Like a martial art is a discipline. Okay, you're, you're, you're doing this wrong. You're, you're not punching right. Do this. So you, you're kick. If you keep kicking like that, you're going to throw your hip out like a sidekick, uh, people don't understand if you don't take martial arts that you have to, you have to pick your leg up and you have to pivot your body so that your body is in position that you can put that kick out sideways. If you don't, you're going to tear your hip up. You're going to throw your hip out because you're not doing it the right way. And so the instructor is there to give you instruction on how to do it the right way so that you, there's less chance of you getting injured. And it's the same thing with the faith. You have circumcision of the heart. You're still going to be corrected, and you have to be in a place where you're okay with that, that you want it because you want it because you hunger and thirst for that righteousness. And so there are signs that tell you in the midst of it whether you are mourning because 
of the woe is me and or you're mourning because no this was wrong and i don't agree with it i don't want to be like that okay i have that sorrow in the midst of it and so there are signs and you have to make a determination if somebody's going to accept it even if you bring something to me and i tell you the truth for you to accept it you have to want you have to desire correction because if you desire correction that means that you recognize that you cannot be perfect that you are in a process of perfecting but you cannot be perfect but in order for me to perfect i need the instructions necessary whether those instructions come from god or they come from somebody else the reality that we weigh them on is the truth of god what does the word say and i have conversation with god and god tells me this okay then i confirm what i have and now i can move forward i can move to the next slope i can just keep climbing but you get on the mountain and oh my gosh this is just too hard and and it, well you didn't set your mind in the beginning to recognize that this faith journey is not going to be easy and i'm willing to go through whatever pain whatever mental spiritual emotional sacrificial pain that is necessary because i want this that bad and that's what i'm going to do because i want to do it it's a full submissive attitude and so i can give you correction but if you're not submissive to that correction it will do you absolutely no good and you will stay in a standstill place until you make up your mind what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and then you're either going to continue in the faith and figure it out or you're going to break and break ranks with faith and fall away like hebrews says and and no this this is just too hard i can't i can't take this i don't want it i'm I'm done. I'm I'm turning away from this. I don't want this anymore. Okay, well, you had the the broken down and then you repented the opposite direction of God and once you've tasted the heavenly gift, you can't have it back. So you better be careful that you're maintaining your faith and you're maintaining it by what God says and what the word of God says. And that's what I'm going to do. And if somebody brings it to my attention, so what? It's okay. I'm all right with that. Why? Because I want to make sure that I'm doing the best I can before God. Hebrews is a, as all the, the books of the Bible, that Hebrews is is very good i'm not going to put it on a pedestal i find it interesting that that's the <laughs> second time that mother has shown up by because i i had mentioned hebrews and you had pulled it up and you didn't show it to me and i didn't know what you pulled up on on it well, so what's interesting is I, I glanced down at this and this is an aspect of pre-circumcision of the heart that goes into circumcision of the heart and i'm going to read this this is in hebrews 12 it speaks beautifully to this and just going to premise it with this, the book of Hebrews is written for the Israel of God, those that are seeking God, the, the one seeking coming to the fullness, and that's why all the warnings, and it says, 
in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So it's saying that you haven't gotten to the point where you've been crucified with Christ, but not that they wouldn't get there because they're struggling. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son or daughter. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, when we we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And this speaks to what you're saying about the mountain. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So I was thinking about that, that you're going to come to where you're going to have moments like what happened Thursday, that it's, it's just, it's painful, it's grievous, but strengthen the hands that hang down and the weak knees that, no, I'm going to, because you're at a point where discipline is coming, and if you don't accept it, just like when Messiah to the letters to the churches, I have these things against you, repent or else I will. So if you repent, then he won't have to do the things that he's going to say. And that's why he's saying, turn from this or else there's going to be something that's going to happen. So just like this, that repent, change your conduct or else something's going to happen. So even in that word at that point that we're going to get moments like this where you're wrong in this. Okay, well, thank you for letting me know I'm wrong. I'm I'm going to evaluate that. I'm going to make the effort to correct this because that's what I want to do. Okay. Well, that that's the point of it, but if you shun the correction, then if your hands your weak knees and and your hands go downcast, then you're not going to be in a good place because didn't we say if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. So if you don't do what is right, like you turn away, you're not going to be accepted and therefore you've fallen away because you turn from it yourself. So it's a, it's a good warning just to say, set your mind that you're okay with being corrected no matter what, because if we're already perfected, then we don't need any correction, but we're still in a process of perfecting. And how can you perfect just like a recipe? I'm going to make a chocolate cake 50 times. If I'm going to perfect it, then there has to be a correction. All right, well, this time I'm going to put less vanilla extract. This time I'm going to put less salt. I'm going to put more sugar. So it's tweaking and perfecting things instead of just, I'm just throw everything on the floor. I'm just tired of it. Well, but then you get nowhere. Uh, you, you have nothing now. So I got a question for you. Sure. What would you say to somebody who, from the scripture that you brought out, that it says that uh, it talks about receiving the correction from the Lord, what would you say to somebody that would say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with God doing it, but I don't want other people doing it. What, what would you say to that? I would say, be careful with that because Yah uses people 
to bring their truth through them for one, so that that person can grow their faith and two, so that you can evaluate it and be without excuse. Because I know for sure for me, I've been told to tell people things and they'll get upset and it's, Hey, look, it's God bringing it. So ultimately if you don't listen to people that are of God, then you won't listen to God either. But you think, Oh, I'll listen to God. Well, let me know because it's like this. Oh, I'll humble myself before God, but I don't know about people. Well, if you don't humble yourself before other people, then you cannot humble yourself before God because just like Messiah, that you did all these things and you didn't do them for me, but you did all these things and you did it unto me. So that that's a dangerous place to be. And if somebody brings something to you, if they're in faith in God or not, if it's right to do, then it's really coming from God anyway. You don't see it because I've had uh, my wife actually bring something to me from God. She thought it was from her that we just need to put everything to the side and you just need to focus on God. And it's like, you know, that's, that's true. That's right. That's what I'm going to do. But I would say to somebody, be careful to do that because when you actually say that, if you're not willing to take Yah's instruction through somebody else, then you're rejecting God and you don't even recognize it. So be careful to evaluate whomever. And, and here's the thing. You can have somebody that's not pursuing faith in God, bring truth of God, and God will bring that through that person to test you to see, are you willing to be corrected, even if it's somebody that you foresee, they don't know what they're doing. And I'll speak of experience because as we were sitting here talking, y'all reminded me of something I did yesterday at work with my manager. I'm like telling me that I'm, I know what I'm doing. And it was like, no, I am. No, I'm not doing that again. I'm willing to be corrected. It doesn't matter. I, and I was like, you know what? I didn't do that. Correct. So I'm willing to be corrected. So even in these moments, don't think that, well, God brought it to me, but they did bring it to me because why am I getting frustrated at my manager when she was just speaking to me? This is just the process. Why are you getting upset about it? And it's not on her. It's on me, but we've had this happen. And it's like one of those, like, don't shoot the messenger because we're, 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 we're bringing the truth of God, but God will do that, that, okay, we're you, you'll listen to me only. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring this through this person and we'll see if you're going to listen or not. And well, if God tells me, but God is telling you, and I just see it as, yeah, be careful in that because you assume that the, the person bringing it isn't from God, but God will use people, um, not just those in faith. And something to keep in mind as we are the messenger of some of these things, we are not the one you're answerable to. And we do not expect, like the conversation we had on Thursday, there was no expectation that that person's going to answer to us. We will know when they answer to God by their change in the mindset, in the actions, in what they do, that they will make that change because they're responding to God. And I don't give information to people with the idea that you have to tell me, you, you have to tell me because I don't need to say it. God's the one that told me to tell you this. So God's the one that you have to settle it with. If later on God determines that they want you to tell me that you've settled it and how you've settled it, fine. If not, doesn't matter to me because I'm not here to be your judge. I'm here to pass on the information that God has given me to pass on. If you don't like it, then talk to God about it. 
if, if I'm wrong in what I'm saying, talk to God about it. If we don't know what we're talking about, talk to God about it. We don't want, and putting this on the podcast, we don't want people to think they have to answer to us. Now, we will ask hard questions in order to prompt them to answer to God because that's the intention. And when you answer to God, it, you, you you need to have a good answer. Otherwise, you, you're, you're going to eat your words. So make sure that, one, that you hunger and thirst for righteousness, that you truly want to be righteous. And this brings in the aspect of desire, that if you desire to be righteous, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you desire to be righteous, then you are willing to go through whatever it takes for you to find that righteousness. And whatever it takes is sometimes God telling you and showing you, do you see this? Just like it was brought to your attention. Nobody, no human brought that to your attention that pay attention to what your manager said for whatever reason, or sometimes it'll come through somebody else that, that uh, is in faith that says you need to do this, but you're not answerable to them. I'm not answerable to you, but I am accountable to you. And <laughs> why am I accountable to you? Because you speak the truth of God. And if you give me correction, I'm accountable to take that and make sure that what I'm doing is an appropriation with God. Why would I do that? Because I hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so this is just a huge uh, perspective. And a lot of the, uh, I, I get it because we've all been there. The, these are the things that have been lost in faith circles because of the softening of the stuff, the truth of God, that why well, don't have to, people don't do that in the church that I go to. And they, we just, we just are happy and smiling and telling everybody that it's going to be okay. And then the person walks away and you're calling them an idiot or they're stupid. And why? Because you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's the key is that we need to, when somebody comes to circumcision of the heart, you have to dig into what it looks like and recognize that that's what you have. And in order to get the circumcision of the heart, you have to see those promises that are laid out in the Bible and you have to accept them and recognize that, wow, I don't have that. I don't have circumcision of the heart or I do have that, but I haven't learned that yet, so I'm going to add that to my faith. What's the scripture that says, add to your faith all these things? Why? Because as we walk in faith, we are always continuing to add things to our faith so that we can increase in righteousness before God. And our righteousness comes through submission not because we have to, but because we want to. And that's why we will do the works necessary in order to carry out the faith. And it is a lot of getting rid of the old mindset of Christianity that we were raised in. Somebody else may have to get rid of the Islam uh, mindset that they've been raised in or the Hindu 
perspective that they've been raised in. And there's so many different aspects of Christianity that people have been raised in that none of them are able to agree. And so you, you have to figure it out for yourself. But if you, as it pertains to me, if you bring it to me, I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm not trying to spare your feelings because me sparing your feelings does nothing for you knowing what the truth is. And we did that in the past. There were times, what, probably uh, 10, 10 or 11 years ago where we, we would just kind of dance around the, the submission perspective because we knew women were going to be upset. And, and so, well, we're just going to, we, we just don't, won't go deep into that or we'll brush by it or, and I can tell you now we're going to talk about submission. We're going to talk about the truth of it, what it is. And anybody who hears it, it's up to them to decide what they're going to do with it. Cause it's not me who's telling you to be submissive. It's God, just like God tells me to love my wife, like Christ loved the church. Well, in that I'm going to be submissive to her as well but it's not going to be a submissive from the aspect of, well, she's the authority, so I got to do whatever she tells me to do. No, it's a submission of cooperation that you cooperate with me, I cooperate with you, and we all line it up with the truth of God. There will be no issue, no problem, no harm, no foul. But we've got to continually, because of in our programming, we have this garbage there that was left by whatever past faith we had, that we have to get rid of that. Some people, uh, Islam, it would be hard for them to get rid of the works-based perspective. Uh, people in Christianity, they say they don't do the works-based, but what they do is by works. Catholic is a, is a big aspect of uh, faith by works. Uh, they won't say that they're working towards it, but well, you have to do these things. No, I want to do these things. And so why are you doing it? Are you doing it because they told you you have to do it or you should do it because, or you're doing it because you know what is right to do. It's just really important. This is just, uh, again, like every other thing that we've talked about before and the stuff that is going to come in the future. Just all of it is so important for people to understand. And this is information that people are not getting. And people are depending on today's mindset and thinking, if you think that we're smarter today than we were in the past, the only way you can be smarter today is if you have faith in God, you do the things of God, you listen to what God says, and you do what God says to do that will give you the intelligence necessary for you to be able to accomplish anything. Well, you know, we have in the psychology uh, community, we have psychologists and psychiatrists who are handing out medication to people. And one of the reasons I found this out is because they say that there's a, a biological depression. And in essence, what they're saying is, there's nothing we can do about that. So we're going to give you the medication. And the problem is, is you can't fix it. So you're going to give the medication and you're going to call it biological. But in reality, it's not biological. It's all mental. And depression is being pressed down. The opposite of that is pressing back. 
you you balance the pressure so that whatever pressure is coming from the outside you're pushing back from the inside but we have institutions that are going on that you like in order to counsel people for money for and you shouldn't be counseling for money but to to get paid for to to counsel people you have to go to college and you have to get not just a bachelor's degree, but in order to counsel or to um, not counsel, but to uh, have therapy for people, you have to have a master's and maybe even a doctorate. Uh, I'm not sure. But and this is a area that's based on the, the ideas and the philosophies of a man way back called Freud who had no certification for psychology they didn't have certifications in that time this was what he was doing and they implement all of that and they don't look into the radical changes uh or the radical things that somebody might bring up that hey this will help people no no it nope that's biological they they it's because it's genetic or it's it's in their it's in their biology there's nothing you can do about it so they have to take this medication that's a crutch that is a big crutch why because we think we know better and the the uh world religions today we think we know better than god and so in this part where the bible says this well this is what it means because we don't think that god would really flood the whole earth and kill all the people on the earth so we're going to say that it just happened in that region and it wasn't all over the whole earth and just tons of different things that people do and really in essence it's just to avoid the reality of truth of god so if you break to want to have to know the truth of god even with anna ruth when she broke that she wanted to know the truth of god she still had a journey to travel before she got to where she is now and she will continue uh to to advance and grow uh, no question about it because anna ruth is one of those that i uh, no correction seems pleasant at the time and this isn't always but you know you can tell if you let her know that she's not doing something that's right or she needs to evaluate something it she'll 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 get upset about it, but not necessarily because you told her, but because well, I'm doing something wrong. I don't want to do something wrong. And then, but what she will do is she will immediately go into the hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Okay. I was told I did something wrong. I'm going to evaluate this. What did I, did I do something wrong? How did I do it wrong? Where, where did I do it wrong? And what are the corrections? What are the things that I need to do to fix it? And that's why she can learn and grow in her faith because that's the attitude that she has as well as any of us who have circumcision of the heart should have that same attitude. We're not expecting that when you hear something that you're doing that needs correction, we're not expecting that you're going to be like, oh, joy, this is great. Man, this is just awesome. No, because the Bible says that it's grievous at times. That, that the correction is grievous at times, but the grief in it should be, I don't want to be like that, I which then drives the hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so, Sean, do you have any 
anything else to bring us this morning as we wind up from this uh, just another beautiful aspect that Yah is bringing for people to recognize and understand. The only thing I would leave with is, like you said, that the psychology of the mind and faith and just life is so huge. And that's one that we could talk about for hours and hours. But yeah, if you, if anybody kind of coming in, if you've not listened to us before anything, I would strongly recommend going back to the, it's either one of the first two, maybe the, it might've been the first one was the, and then we have another one on the psychology of the mind, but the brainwashing and mind control is such a pivotal good word there from Yad that on this. So no, I just enjoyed the conversation and um, just look forward to the next one. Whenever that is Lord willing, well, we'll see you on Lord willing. We'll see you on Tuesday this coming, which would be the 20. I can't remember. Got my days mixed up. Whenever this coming Tuesday is 26th with ever, whoever volunteers whoever. or whoever you volunteer oh, we'll to see. be with you. I'll be with someone. <laughs> That's for sure. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.